please play with me. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Please open our eyes to you this morning. Amen. C.S. Lewis wrote, Christ said it was difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, referring, no doubt, to riches in the ordinary sense. But I think it really covers riches in every sense. Good fortune, health, popularity, and all things one wants to have. All these things tend, just as money tends, to make you feel independent of God, because if you have them, you are happy already and contented in this life. But God wants to give you a real and eternal happiness. The passage of the rich young ruler is in the Bible to remind us all that we must not rely on material things. Our congregation is very blessed in terms of wealth, health care, and other privileges. Sadly, it is often hard for us to rely on the Lord when we have many things here that give us stability. We must remember that God is the only thing guaranteed to always be there for us. We can turn to him whenever we need to. The Lord even says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. We would probably all like to think that if Jesus was standing right in front of our very eyes, we would quickly and easily leave all we have to follow him. But the question is, would we? Are we so focused and reliant on worldly fleeting stability that if we are face to face with Jesus Christ, we would turn away from eternal life with him in heaven? The passage begins with the ruler coming before Jesus saying, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses. Honor your father and mother. When the ruler heard this, he said, I have, heard, I have kept all of these since birth. Jesus then said, There is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the ruler heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. When I first read this passage, I thought, how on earth could this man turn down eternal life when Jesus is standing right in front of him? But then I began to look at my own life and the lives of others. Truthfully, Every day we are faced with decisions that will lead us away from the Lord. For example, when we rely on worldly things, we fall into one of the seven deadly sin categories, pride. We take pride in our accomplishments instead of relying on God, and our accomplishments become idols to us. Pride, along with other things, will lead us away from the Lord, down the wrong path. It's like Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. In the road not taken, a traveler is faced with a difficult decision. He reaches an impasse where he must make a choice between two roads ahead. In the last stanza, Robert Frost writes, I should be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now this poem is simply not talking about a person taking a Little, literal road while traveling, is a representation of life, showing how we will all come to impasses in our lives where we will have to make important choices. And those choices will someday make a huge difference. Those choices will make all the difference. 
Even though Robert Frost may not have intended this to be from a Christian perspective, it is still a valid analogy. One road could represent the path to eternal life, whereas the other, more traveled road, could represent the rich young ruler's walk toward pride and ultimately things that will perish in death. The road that a Christian takes is much harder to faithfully follow compared with the other road we take in life. We must all begin thinking of the long-term consequences that come from our pride or reliance on worldly matters. We often underestimate the impact of these choices. Gossiping, holding grudges, or what we like to call white lies are all things in addition to reliance on wealth that can lead us astray. They are things we think of as small, but in actuality, they have negative consequences for our lives. Even though we aren't literally turning our backs from the Lord as the rich young ruler did, we are still turning away from him. I've always enjoyed athletics, and I've participated in multiple sports ever since I was little. But sports for me is something I rely on too much. Last year, I was injured in one of my basketball games. I tore my ACL. My recovery took a grueling six months. Now, for some people, this might not seem like a big deal, but for me, it was really difficult not being able to to participate on various athletic teams. Even though it was difficult, surprisingly, during that time, I felt very close to the Lord. I realized that since I didn't have this outlet of sports to rely on, I was finally relying on the Lord for comfort and stability. The day I was cleared to play sports, I read my devotional entitled, My Utmost for His Highest, by Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers discussed how many people often rely on their own achievements instead of the Lord. He even wrote, The weaker and feebler you are, the better. I thought it was very ironic that the day I was told I'm strong enough was also the day I was told the weaker, the better. As I returned to athletics, I struggled, since I wasn't playing as well as I had hoped. But eventually I realized that being away from sports helped me. When I returned to athletics, I was lacking in self-worth, because in my head, these achievements gave me value. When I relied more on the Lord for comfort and stability, I began to realize that my value should never be connected to pride in athletics or anything else. I am definitely not saying athletics are bad by any means. I love playing sports. But whenever I play, I try to remember that my athletic abilities are not what define me. I try to remember that my value is found in the Lord, who will always love me. Sadly, the rich young ruler relied too much on his earthly riches. He thought they gave him worth, which meant if he gave up his wealth, he would also be giving up who he was as a person. For many of you, it might not be wealth or sports that you rely on. It might be your academic achievements, your accomplishments at work, your appearance, your musical talents, your creative or artistic abilities, the list goes on and on. Whatever it may be, if the Lord asked you to give up one thing, would you be able to do it? If he said, you're only lacking one thing, one thing, just stop depending on your work, stop depending on your academics, stop depending on your athletic ability, stop depending on your popularity, stop depending on your wealth. Would you be able to do it? The Lord doesn't want you to feel trapped or burdened by these worldly things. Jesus wasn't trying to catch the ruler and say, I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you couldn't give up this one thing. In Mark's account of the rich young ruler's story, he writes that Jesus looked at the man and loved him. Jesus was hoping beyond hope that the man would leave his riches to follow him. It was all about love. 
When I read this story, I instantly thought of the parable of the wise man who built his house upon the rocks. That parable shows us how the solid rock foundation of the Lord will remain strong, but any other foundation will eventually become unstable and falter in the end. Jesus offered the rich young ruler a solid foundation to rely on, and he is offering each one of us that same solid foundation. As I think about Jesus telling the rich young ruler to give away all his wealth, I wonder, does Jesus expect all of us to do that? Or is it okay for Christians to be wealthy? There are many, many opinions that differ dramatically to when it comes to what the Lord expects from us or what we should be expecting from the Lord. Some opinions are so different that you could say they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. First, there are the radical, give-all-you-have-to-the-poor sermons of Shane Claiborne. Then there are well-known preachers, such as Robert Schuller, who wholeheartedly preach health and wealth sermons. For those of you who do not know Shane Claiborne, he likes to call himself an ordinary radical. He is founder of the Simple Way community in Philadelphia. He serves and lives among the needy and suffering in the city. He has also been on countless missions trips to places like Australia, Afghanistan, Iraq, and India, nearly every continent. In Shane's book, The Irresistible Revolution, he discusses the rich young ruler's story and writes, Jesus doesn't run after the man saying, Hey, it's a journey, just give half, or start with 10%. He simply lets the man choose his wealth. Shane goes on to talk about how many churches have become seeker-sensitive in our modern-day cultures. Churches are beginning to compromise the cost of discipleship in order to produce a larger crowd at church. Shane believes that if you are a believer in Christ— You probably will have to be poor in the societal sense, but that will make you all the more spiritually wealthy. In contrast to Shane, this past year, I, along with seven other members of the youth group, went to Rochester with Pastor John. We were going to a youth gathering at one of the churches there, and none of us knew what to expect. There were four other youth groups with us, all from different parts of the city. The church had asked a guest speaker to come, and his sermon was interesting, but disturbing. That preacher is the head of a large church organization in Latin America, and his sermon was a health and wealth sermon. It caught me off guard because it was the first time I'd ever heard a health and wealth sermon. He was preaching to a congregation in one of the poorest parts of the city, so I could see how it would be a very attractive tactic. The main idea of his sermon was if you believe and you pray, God will provide. He used examples from his own life where God had given him blessings. First, he told the congregation that different people must be approached differently when it comes to prayer. For instance, he told us that when he taught his son to pray, he wanted to make sure his son truly cared about what he prayed for. He said, I told my son to thank the Lord that he had many toys and to pray for many more toys because that is what children can relate to in prayer. I knew that example of his son was meant to amuse the congregation, if anything, but I still felt uneasy with it. Even if it was meant as a flippant example, it is not what I believe a child should be taught to value. After that, the pastor told us that he didn't have plans when he left the U.S. to go to Latin America, but when he prayed, God provided him with his great job, amazing wife, and wonderful children. He encouraged everyone there to pray, and then their financial needs, medical needs, and other privileges and necessities would be met. After the sermon, the eight of us talked to Pastor John about what we thought— and none of us were crazy about it. We all agreed that Christians do not just acquire wealth because we are Christians. It was truly disturbing, since so many impressionable teens like us were at that service. 
I hope, as I'm sure my peers who went hope, that those teens from other churches were not drawn to the church simply because they thought they would soon prosper, receiving wealth and good health. So here is the final question. What is God asking of you? I think he is asking each of us for different things. Some of us may be poor and others wealthy. But whatever our economic status is, whatever talents and abilities we have, the most important thing is to not rely on what we have on earth. We must rely on the Lord. Remember, the rich young ruler went away sad because he was burdened, even trapped by earthly wealth. Jesus warns us, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Is Jesus saying to you, you're only lacking one thing? Therefore, I urge you, stop relying on things that are keeping you from relying on the Lord and his will for you. It may seem hard, but with God, all things are possible. Do not make the same mistake as the rich young ruler. And remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are going to have a few moments of silence now, so we may each reflect on our own lives and see what God is asking of us. Pray that we may have strength to rely on him instead of other things. I invite you to come to the altar at this time if you like, and then I will close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that as we go through our lives, we may understand your will for us. Too often, we as humans are caught up in other things and forget your plans. I pray that we will remember your love and that we will have strength to rely on you instead of other things. Thank you. In your name, amen.